what the fuck are we gonna talk to him about you know he texted me uh i'll be there soon and i just instinctively replied take your time and then four heart emojis um (laughs) (laughs) all right scaring every each and every one of our guests why do you look so much better than me because I put makeup on because I was worried about looking ugly, and now I'm insecure because I'm I look like an emo teenager. Your lipstick looks nice. Thanks. I'm insecure about it now. Should I put on my neon scrunchie? Yeah. Or does my hair look nicer down? Your hair looks nice. Just brush it a little bit. Okay, mom. Neil Labute just texted me. I so rarely get emojis. Dot dot dot. Should I say it's hard for guys or something? Yeah. I wish I had, like, I got this, like, Adderall substitute from some weird nootropics website. Maybe I should take another one of those, but then I won't be able to sleep all night. Why do you have it? You don't have any alcohol? I might have some Ozu left. Do you have any near you? No. Maybe I have beer. Let me see if I can take a shot. Do we have anything we need to fight about before this starts? Hey, Neil. Hi. Hi. Hey, we were just we were just trying to fight before you logged on so we could get oh, all right. the negative energy out well, of the way. Do not worry about me. I'm happy. That, you know, <laughs> it's been my bread and butter for 25, 30 years. <laughs> But I'm not one of those people who steal shit, you know, and you won't show up in a play, unfortunately, but I don't. Uh, That's very disappointing. Fortunately or unfortunately, but I don't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, so I think. Like, oh, great fight. I wish I could just write that down. <laughs> the other day as I was really hungover and just like dejectedly vomiting in the, in the bathroom. Um, very good segue. I was, I was thinking about a, a, a beautiful uh, thing you said in an interview, which was something like there's no like moment of higher grace than the feeling of vomiting. Yeah, maybe. Did I say something like that? Something kind of true and dumb like that? I mean, yeah, there's, there's kind of like you're, it's it's kind of wonderful to be like out of control in that moment of like you just have to give over to it. You know, I, mean, I guess I think I'm a terrible a terrible vomiter. Maybe that's what it is. You know, it's always like sort of I like fight it right to the last second. And so, not that I know that many people who are more graceful than I at it. But I think there are people who just, you know, give over and it's just, it happens. And, but I kind of fight it right to the the bitter end. And so therefore it's, uh, there's a kind of like, when you finally let it go and that release is like, okay, that's not, not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Better, uh, better to have it. Yeah. I mean, I would say like, as, as, uh, you know, any girl that did a BFA gives in to vomiting with glee. <laughs> <laughs> is that part of the part of the requisite i remember when i visited when i vi- I remember when i visited default at tish when i i guess maybe i was still in high school and we went to some bar and like one of her oh, friends no. just sat down and gleefully <laughs> said so what's your what's your ed and i was like what and she was like you know are you anorexic bulimic binge eating what's your thing what's your ed i might steal that that's pretty good <laughs> yeah do you guys want to go around and say our pronouns and our BMI? No. <laughs> no? 
Um, so Neil, do you get, um, do you get fans, uh, propositioning you in the DMs often? No, I, I mean, I, I rarely ever get DMs, um, on occasion, but, but very rarely. Um, no, that's, um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily gender specific. Of course it's not, but it's, I, I wonder if, if, well, men and women, if they feel that women are more approachable or it's okay to do that more so than to a man, I don't know. Um, uh, but no, not for me. It sounds like you guys have, and, and I haven't. So I can only reflect on that, but no. I mean, I think maybe as, maybe as a man, you have to give some signal that you're like hyper available. Um, like, you know, like- I don't think either of us are giving signals though. No, no, but for a man, I mean, like, like, you yeah, know, no, I mean, like default, like, you know, like up. my boyfriend gets like floozy fans, like saying stuff like, can I have sex with you for a performance piece? You know, and, and I mean, that's for a performance piece. I mean, let's be fair. Come on. Yeah. I, Quit holding. I know. I know. I, I shouldn't be slut shaming her. She had a thesis to do, but you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit rude. <laughs> yeah. You might have had a mattress to carry around. Be careful. Did you listen to our mattress girl episode? I, I did because I uh, I dedicated a, a series of plays to both of them actually to uh, both members of that um, that controversy. Were you about to say that couple? No, it's a couple. No, no, they were just two 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 sides to that story. So, uh, which plays were dedicated to them? Uh, it's a collection. Um, Called, um, it's an excellent question now. I think which collection that was. Um, yeah, some short plays of mine. Um, Don't worry about it, Neil. We could cut this. Yeah, cut that part. <laughs> Where his memory is fading. Cut that part. Uh, what's your um, What's your take on Mattress Girl? Well, tricky. I mean, it's a uh, you know. It, um, it's a it's a fascinating case, and um, I don't know either of them. And uh, it you know when when somebody you know takes something that's happened and and turns it into a, a kind of currency, it becomes it becomes a more difficult issue, and um, and it's sometimes hard to divorce those things from from they become connected in a way that that they they obviously wouldn't if, if it, if it hadn't happened. So, um, because of that, you know, be, and not because it became notorious or she got notoriety from it, but, um, the, um, the complexity grew greatly in my mind. Um, once, once she decided to turn that into an art project, having written a play about somebody, you know, who used someone to turn them into an art project, it, um, it, it certainly was fascinating to me. But um, uh, but a tough one to make a make a call on, you know, who's uh, and it doesn't mean that um, I, I, I don't believe her or um, it just means that I when, when someone says this has happened and I'm now going to uh, make, the, you know, that uh, into not just a story, but I'm going to I'm going to benefit from it. Um, it um, it it makes the ground very, um, 
very, very rocky. Yeah. It makes it hard, yeah. hard to know. What do, you ha- do you happen to have read uh, Charlie Kaufman's book, Ant Kind? I haven't, no. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sort of like narrated from the point of view of a, you know, psychotic man. So, you know, with that in mind, there's this great, you know, <laughs> There's this great, there's this great, you know, like monologue that's just sort of going on about um, how, like, it's a novel, you know, like how uh, kind of like the only way that you can gain status in the world of today is by being a victim. So, like, being a victim becomes this currency that you can never sort of compromise on. You always have to be a victim to the absolute maximum and like simplify the story to the absolute maximum, and you can never, you know, sort of give an inch um, if you, if you want to get ahead and gain status. Um, which I just, you know, is like something that's very uncomfortable to sort of talk about without just being told, you know, you're accusing women of being liars. Which is not what I said, even. Not that you were saying right. that. I'm just saying, you know, whether, at, at some point, it's one of those things where, like, you know, when, when, when something's happened and then you lie about it, mm-hmm. um, completely, I'm just removing a different equation. People are like, well, now I can't even talk about that original thing because I'm so mad that you lied about yeah. it. You know, the, the, the original issue becomes so clouded uh-huh. by in this case by you know turning it into something beyond what it was um it, it went from being suddenly a you know a campus court case into into something that was uh either celebrated or or you know um vilified on on the other side um and and you have to, you have to keep dealing with that and, and hard to get back to the core issue, I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I saw this like email yesterday from the, you know, the child of a now deceased foreign director. And basically he was saying, you know, I'm sorry that I was, I was late getting, getting back to you. Um, basically I found out that my, my father is about to get canceled because this reporter from this, you know, prominent newspaper just called me and said that this actress from one of his films claims that she directed that film and also that he raped her. And he's just, you know, begging the newspaper to, you know, give, like, give, this isn't true, you know, like, give him some time to look into it. The director said this and said they're, they're, say it again. The the director is dead. This is his son. The director's dead. Yeah, the director's dead. This is going to happen after the fact. Yeah, like now the the actress is coming out and saying he raped me and I actually directed that film that I was in. Oh, wow. Yeah. And like, what do you do? in a situation like that. I mean, it's just a, it's just a minefield. I I feel like, I think we're running out of gas on it, thankfully, but like, you know, it's, I I know I, I promise we'll cut this part too. Neil, I know you have to be very diplomatic as someone whose plays need to be funded, but like, I do feel like people are really a little bit out of control with the, the accusations these days. And, you know, you could, you could nod yes or no, right? You don't have to say anything since we are so <laughs> Just blink twice if you think Me Too has gone too far. <laughs> like, like those 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 prisoners of war in Korea, just like just actually just blink torture. Uh, I, unfortunately, I don't know Morse code, so I'll, I'll just probably blink something else. I'll, I'll, I'll blink Cheerios and it'll mean nothing to you. Um, sure. I mean, look, you used a perfect word. So it's a minefield. It's a... Uh, um, it's whichever direction you you step is is um, so so tricky, you know, because some people don't even want to have the conversation, you know, don't want to have a they they want to go from just a point of view that that is um, completely defensible, which is you know that 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 your 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 
you know, basically you're wrong. Whatever you whatever you come back with, you're um, you're wrong if you don't follow the the, the party line, and um, that's that's very tricky to to try and have to, when you can't have a conversation about something. I, I don't know where you where you go. You know, I think anything is is worth talking about. Anything is talkable, but um, sometimes it feels as if that's not the case. That you you know. There's, there's only a, a declamation and, and on we go from there. And um, that's, a, a, that's tricky in a free society to have um, people feeling, feeling that way. That I, don't, I don't even want to hear what you have to say. If, you, if it's going to be something other than what I believe, then I, I'm not interested. Yeah, I mean, um, when I've sort of been in the, when like organizations I, I've been in have been ensnared by these sort of cancellation crises, um, lately I, I think because like over the course of COVID, I just realized that I like hate my life and I'm sort of semi-seriously trying to sabotage myself. I've been being a little bit more honest about how I actually feel. Um, well, there's, there's your problem. Yeah. This honesty, you got to get off that. What's going on? I, the masks are gone. Cut the honesty thing. Let's go. I know. We're going to get, we're going to get to that in uh, 27 seconds, but you know, I've often gotten a bunch of like, you know, emails and stuff after I say something like this saying, you know, thanks for saying that. I can't say it in public. And, you know, it seems like 80% of people have basically normal views on these things, but only the most like extreme 10% that feels ideologically pure um, feels empowered uh, to speak in public. And like everyone else is just scared of getting attacked. I mean, I'm from like a hyper like liberal kind of industry or whatever. Um, So I don't know what that's like in the like quote unquote normal world, Um, but it seems like that's sort of creeping into every place, right? It feels like it, yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I'm in one too where I don't know what what a normal world would be, but um, yeah, I think it, it is. It's uh, it's becoming more and more pervasive, certainly. Yeah. So going back to this honesty thing, um, like how? Uh, <laughs> take your honesty. What's what's your take? Mask like, off. On, mask off. Honesty is it good or bad? Uh, I mean, honesty is you know it is what you make it, right? It's it's um you. We all, I mean, we, we, we all tell, you know, all kinds of, of, I don't know, I'm not even going to say lies, but there's, there's, you know, there's the, the kinds, kinds of omissions that we make, the, the, the timed release um, amounts of truth that we, you know, give to be, oh, I, I'm going to tell them the truth. I just have to wait for a perfect day or, you know, um, the, the a little, you know, this is, this is actually good for them or us or. Uh, it's always, you know, got some sort of benefit. It seems that to go back to the to the person who's about to to drop it, but um, there's uh, an efficacy there. But there's honesty is for the most part, yeah, great. But a, a lot of times it's 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 a rough road. It's a very you know to be. Sometimes it feels like you can be brutally honest. Sometimes it feels like you're honest to a fault. You know, there I do believe in those things that like you're so honest that that um, that's great, but you're going to find that that you're almost too honest for for other people. You know that we we think we want honesty um, in our relationships, in our dealings with everybody else, until we get you know a huge, heavy, direct dose of it and go, oh yeah, you know what? You maybe you want to soften the blow a little bit. Um, or leave a couple things out, or I didn't need to hear that. There's, you know, we even to ourselves, we're, we're sometimes, you know, 
and we, well, I mean, we, we lie to ourselves all the time, I suppose. Um, but it's, I guess the degrees, the, the you know, the, the, the size of those things and, and the, the amount and, you know, the number of times we do it. Um, so do I, do I, I think in a perfect world when none of us would lie, I, I don't know, because perfect world is such a, an abstract, not abstract, but it's such a, uh, like a, a, a fairy tale thought that I don't, I don't know what, you know, the parameters of that would look like. I mean, like, it's almost a sort of like libertarian, like market perfection view, but you could almost think that if everyone uh, were completely honest and didn't omit anything, then everyone else would have perfect information about where they stood with others and they could make the perfectly right choices and get out of relationships when they should and get into them when they should. Um, although I don't know if people would be able to, to tolerate it. But since you're on that place in that, you know, honesty, this is a great time to ask you. I mean, are, are do you find that you are just being completely honest with yourself and others right now? Or, or is it just... It, it, it's markedly increased. Uh, I think it's markedly increased over the last couple of months. And it's mostly been good. Like, like you know, I feel it. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I, I feel like this honesty kick started when you started dating your current boyfriend, who I think um, maybe this is some interesting context for our listeners and also for Neil, if you want to make sure you include that in your answer. <laughs> You, you know, you know it, girl. I mean, should I, should I dox him? I mean, I should dox him to, I should dox him to Neil, right? I mean, we should, you know what? Like I said, I, I've made myself unemployable with my Twitter presence. So I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go full mask off. Fuck it. HR is over. Okay. So, (laughs) um, I don't know if you know who my, my boyfriend is. He's, he's older than you. You Interesting, you know, detail. (laughs) Um, (laughs) is that possible? What? Anyway, it's Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, like, you know, his whole thing is like brutal honesty, like brutal, brutal honesty, like to this sort of, uh, I, I think, past what I can actually like accommodate. Like reading reasons to be pretty, um, it was like I kind of like went through that, but in like a much more extreme way. Where I'm allowed to tell him, right? The story. Oh, I mean, please, we. Yeah, please. So, I mean, go off, queen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, like he, we were having sex, you know, a, a couple months ago, whatever, like, you know, a few months after we started seeing each other. And he told me afterwards um, that he had been fantasizing about like one of his like helpers, you know, like someone that helps him edit. And I was like, Well, you guys were having sex. He was fantasizing about one of his helpers. Yeah. And I was like, this guy's honest. honest. I'll give him that. Well, and then I was like, oh, is she sexier than me? And he said, yeah, you know, most people would say that she's sexier than you. So, you know, I sort of, you know, we fought about it. And then like, you know, the next day or a couple of days after that or something, I saw him. I was also sort of like making a, like a, a monologue film at the time, I guess. Um and he was kind of, I, I was trying to sort of make like a, a, you know, like a rip off of Sherman's March, basically. But he was like encouraging me to be on camera more. And I was saying, you know, I feel kind of like self-conscious about doing it, you know. And he was like, well, you know, like you're not like a 10, but like, you know, you should like talk about the fact that you're not really pretty enough to be on camera, like that you're not pretty like an actress. 
And so that's like not what I wanted to hear. And then, you know, he was talking about one of his students and made some film about like her, how attractive she was. And she wasn't really like that attractive. Like she wasn't a 10. I was like, you know, it's kind of like hard for me to like listen to, you know, how like your student's a nine, but she's not a 10. And like your helper, she's a 10 and I'm not a 10. And then he just was sort of like, you know, do you think Amy Adams is a 10? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, she's not. Do you think... Um, Reese Witherspoon is a 10. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, she's not. Michelle Pfeiffer is a 10. Angelina Jolie is a 10. And we're like, we're taking a bath together. So like, you know, like mise-en-scene, we're like awkwardly in this sort of like mildewy like bathtub with not enough room. And he's like sort of giving me this rundown of like who in Hollywood is a 10 and who isn't. And he's like- Isn't, isn't he in that movie that he made? Y- yes. See how I did that? I'm just going to- that's yeah, the okay. end of okay scene because he may, he may listen and i'm just giving him the yeah yeah i'm sorry but like you know i just it sort of like turned into this whole thing about like you know he was like you know if you walked into a modeling agency people would laugh at you and they would be really mean to you <laughs> jesus christ I'm like this oh jesus please don't ever be on film <laughs> um i haven't I mean, to be honest, like I haven't really gotten over it. Like, I don't think I can could really handle being told like I'm fantasizing about this, you know, floozy and she's sexier than you. And that's just how it objectively is. And it it feels absurd. And that's why Reasons Be Pretty was like, so I don't know, like, um, you know, triggering. Right. Like, I know that I'm not uh, a stunning beauty, but like I can't hear that or, or, or be told that. You know, like it just, especially like not by the person that I'm having sex with. That character said something interesting, and you know, there were these monologues in the uh, in the in the original play mm-hmm. that we uh, ended up cutting on Broadway um, after one preview. Um, those monologues are great. I really like those monologues, but yeah, time wise is what they were worried about. Uh, I think at the time Ben Brantley had made a suggestion that they should be they'd be be a better play if it was cut. And so for, therefore the producers were like, yeah, Ben will like it better even, you know, if we, if we do that. So what a, you know, a, of course, great producerial move uh, to follow the, the, you know, the critics, but I guess, you know, they have their, their reasons. And I think they also were worried about time, honestly, about, um, you know, whether you're going to have a, an intermission or not and, and that kind of crazy stuff, but uh, things that I don't like to worry about, but, but you do in the end. Um, but uh, those monologues, as I say, they were cut. And in one of those, Steph, you know, said something to that, to that effect of like, you know, I, don't, I know who I am. I know what I look like. But I want to be with a guy who sees me mm-hmm. as not unattractive. You know, he like sees me. I'm everything in, you know, to him. And, and that's, that was what she felt was, you know, was, was missing in their relationship, that, that the guy she was with didn't appreciate her for who she was. And and that, that thing that he, the thing that, like the defense that he gives is almost exactly what like my, my boyfriend said to me, you know, like I'm not saying that I would want to be with her. Her film sucks and she's not very smart. I would never want to be with her. I'm just saying that she's more attractive than you. <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, yeah, that, that, you know, that takes us back to the, to the great, uh, Jimmy Carter Playboy interview, you know, have, have I, have I had sex in my, have I, have I, have I um, sinned in my heart because I've, you know, I, I fornicated in my mind. 
So um, where, where does it become, you know, a, a, an issue for people? If, if, it, if it's just me doing what, what he's talking about, is it, is it okay? I mean, everything's, I guess, okay if you make it so. But um, the question for everybody else is, yeah, is it, if, you don't, you, if you say you don't want to be with her, you know, you, where, is, where the B is, in, is certainly in quotes, because if you sounded like you were with her a few minutes ago, um, while we were together. And, uh, <laughs> and so that gets tricky ground to like really to, to walk and, and, uh, and argue about when, when someone, uh, you know, where they are, if, if, if that's what I, you know, that's the same sort of thing. Can you have a, can you have an affair of the heart? You know, can you have an affair of the mind? Can you have, um, someone you've, you've never met, but can you, can you fall in love with them? The, you know, there's all those interesting questions. Um, French films essentially, I guess, right. Is, uh, <laughs> we're talking about that got us off onto a subject again that I've ruined everything. What was, what were we talking about? These affairs of the heart, you know, like how, how do you, how do you guys feel about them? Do you believe that can happen? Do you believe you can fall in love with somebody? Yes. Emphatically. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I, I, yeah. All the time, you know, 200 years ago. I mean, I've fallen in love with people's tweets. <laughs> like it's forget letters. Is it, is it, <laughs> Is it in quotes though? Is it, did, you know, are we using, you know, love like the way that we, we use awesome now, or, you know, words like that, 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 um, or is it really love? I don't know. Um, I mean, it's love in the same way Dante loved Beatrice, you know, like I said, who knows how real that was, but like, it's something. Yeah, okay. That's, that's a fair point. Um, that you love to tweet as much as, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, not, not a single tweet, a, a body of tweets. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, now, now you've got it. Now you got it going. So yeah, it was like an exchange of uh, uh, of the mind of you know, and you fell in love with with that mind. Okay, uh, I do think that happens. I think it's I think it's possible anyway. Um, and there's something kind of beautifully romantic about that. I, I love to think that you know, you're fall. I think you can fall in love with a book or you know an author through a book or that sort of thing, um, or have a you know such a deep renewed appreciation with someone when you're, you know, reading or seeing their work or that kind of thing. It, you know, it may not be the, the extent that love can be, you know, in, in, in contact with, with one another, but um, sometimes that sucks too. So it's, you know, that, that, that pure, even unrequited thing. Sometimes that's the great one, right? The unrequited one. Um, I mean, certainly when reading it, it's like, Oh my, isn't that beautiful? You know, when it, doesn't have, I just finished reading uh, The Sun Also Rises, which I'd never, I'd never, yeah, I've I'd spent the last, you know, pandemic year catching up on a lot of stuff that I, I think, oh, I, you know, I never actually read that or have seen that. Or so I, I've, I've gone back and, and uh, that one was, you know, that's, there's a huge, at least for us, unrequited relationship there at the heart of that book. And for, you know, Jake and, and uh, uh, what's her name? Brett, um, Lady her last name uh, Ashley Ashley Brett Ashley yeah um and, and what a, I mean what a my you know people say Hemingway misogynist and this and that and 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 I'm sure he was on on many levels and you know and difficult to live with and but what a what a modern character that character was I mean that was 1926 and he writes this character who's you know uh running around with a haircut like a boy and and acting like a man you know in quotes um, betting people because she she wanted to and uh, 
has this incredible line at the end where, um, you know, she, she, she sort of like goes off with the young matador and, and um, is kind of pushed into that by the guy who can't have her. Uh, people call him a pimp and they get into a fight. And, but in the end, she's not, not going to be with that young guy because he wants her to grow her hair out and be more womanly. And he said, but she says, like, you know, I can't be with him. And um, God, I'm 34. I, you know, I don't want to be one of those bitches who, ruin, who, who ruins children. I'm like, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's a big line for today. Um, and that was going on almost 100 years ago that he wrote that. Um, so there's some amazing stuff out there to, to read and watch. And, and uh, But there's a great, I guess, to get back to what we were talking about, a great sort of unrequited love story at the heart of that. I think I'm a lot less romantic about it, maybe, than, than, than DF here. He was a lot less romantic about it as well. Yeah. So I mean, I, I this is something we were talking about the other day because she sort of um, like said on Twitter that she thinks it's probably okay to tell someone who's in a long term relationship that you're in love with them. And I was like, I don't think I've been in love with someone that I'm not actually with since I was, you know, 12 years old. And I don't know if I'm the outlier or if she's the outlier or. I don't know what that what that means. How we're using these words, like I like I think I'm totally re- like resistant to um, projection or super skeptical of it. And like I remember, you know, I had a Shakespeare professor in college who, because I said something to this effect, was just like turned his back to me in his office and said that I was never going to be capable of love. And I think about that sometimes. Well, they wouldn't say that today. He had a big, huge paragraph in the syllabus, all caps, highlighted, bolded, about how talking about sex in relation to Shakespeare is not sexual harassment. Really strange shit. <laughs> I've never had a relationship with a professor like this. He told me, well, anyway, we don't have to go into that now, but he was of the, like, all of the O's or vaginas, you know, predisposition. All of the O's? Yeah. They they all Are represent the- vaginas and the grave. I think you've got your title now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Neil, I have a question, you know, asking yeah. asking uh paging an adult to tell me. Um, are crushes inevitable in relationships and should you like be hurt by the person you're with having crushes on other people? Well, you've you've come to the right place for great advice of any kind. So let's go. Um, why you would think I, I would have an insight into this? Um, because I'm a human being, right? That's why you think that. And you're asking me because I, I'm, a, I'm a fresh a fresh mind to to ask. Um, uh, are they inevitable? I think yes, because we're we're human and we, we, you know, we, we have a, a desire to connect with people and, and, um, those can be uh, platonic or sexual or, um, you know, be manifested in a number of ways, but, but because it's, it's such a part of the fabric of our upbringing that to, to think that that will die because you're in a, in a relationship is, uh, I, I think, what do I think? I, I think it's, it's, it's not that it's silly. I think it's just, 
it's um it's something that that uh we have to we have to accept as a possibility a real possibility that that, that you know that that's you spend you or the world as we knew it uh, for such a long time until the last say year and a half um you know we we spent a good portion of our life uh, our waking life you know in a in a situation uh where we were not around uh, what we considered our loved one. You know, I went off to work and I'm I'm eight hours a day, every day or five days a week with this group of people. And, and you know, um, intimacies uh, develop. Um, that doesn't mean that it has to become anything, but, um, you know, in the same, it's, it's, people are funny in, in ways like, you know, growing up guys, you know, if you'd say like, because I watched a lot of movies, or if you've ever gotten into a conversation where you're like, oh yeah, you know, that, that uh, I mean, that guy's, that's a good looking guy, right? you know, an actor and they'd be like, another guy would often be like, well, how the hell would I know? Why would, how, I don't know if he's good looking or not. I'm a guy. Like, huh, you can't, you can't look at that, the screen, the same where, like direction I'm looking and just try to objectively look at that person and say whether you think they're attractive or not. I'm not saying you're in love with him. Don't say you're attracted to guys in general. Just, can you look at them and, and decide that? You know, people have a, uh, a fear or believe that, you know, they shouldn't have, uh, have those things, um, that, you know, attractions or crushes or that kind of things. Um, when I, I think that, you know, not that they're healthy or, or, or unhealthy, uh, it, it's sort of what you, what you make of them, I suppose. But, but the idea of an attraction is a, is a difficult thing because so much of what we do is led by our, you know, our senses and our, and our sight is such a, a big part of that, that, you know, we, uh, um, it would be hard to say that, you know, I, 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 I don't find myself attracted to this person or that thing, or, um, just because you're, you're in a relationship or not. Do you think it's a, a, a strange thing for someone to be in, in a committed relationship and, and have attractions or? No, I mean, of, of course, of course they will, but I, I guess my, you know, then there's the question of like, how much should you, I don't know, cultivate them or try to rationalize them away? And maybe more importantly, should you share them with the person that you're with? Should you tell your girlfriend if you have a crush on another girl? Well, I, I guess it's, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to, you have to know the other person, you know, some people re would react to that much more negatively than another person would. In the same way that the, you know, you know, let's say over your adult life, the relationships that you've had, you, you've probably had, let, let's, I'm going off the presupposed idea that you both have had, you know, more than one relationship in your adult lives. So if that's the case, then that you would know even out of two people that one person was more apt to react strongly and and more negatively to hearing about money issues or emotional issues or family issues or you know so it's knowing that other person and knowing you know is that something that they're okay with me hearing theirs and their them hearing mine or is it this again one of those things am i am i now lying to them because i have a crush and i'm not telling them then you get into that area but overall you you know is it I think it's it's naive to think that, that that won't happen, that you won't run into people and go, oh, yeah, I really I love the way that person's mind works. I love their music, uh, you know, and I've, you know, 
I find myself attracted to them through what they do or who they are or how they look or all those things. I, I mean, I think like compulsively confessing anything is probably a problem, right? Like the the true act of love is to not act on your crushes, not whether or not you will develop them. I think it's a really close to a, a definitive answer in, in my book that that's, yeah, it's, it's what you do with it. You know, it's ultimately that, that thing, you know, because you have it doesn't mean you have to act upon it. That's a, you know, that's just a, a question that, that you have to grapple with yourself. But what, what's wrong with the, the confession? With confessing? Yeah. But I didn't say there was anything. It, it's a matter of, is it, is it something that, that is necessary? Is that what you're asking? Should you always confess or, or can you? I, of course you can. Mm-hmm. It's just a question for me of, is, is that best for your relationship or not? Yeah. I mean, if you're struggling with it, right? Like if you are actually in a gray area, like let's say you're sort of, you've accidentally stumbled into like an emotional affair with a coworker. So, I mean, you know, just it's, you're in a, it's, you're kind of on thin ice, but you haven't really cheated. Then yeah, I would, I think that's the point where you tell your partner, like, look, um, you know, so-and-so at work and I have gotten really close and I'm not comfortable with my own behavior. I'm going to put them at arm's length. I need to share this with you for my own, you know, for my own conscious. Then that's one thing, right? Um, or like if maybe something happens at a Christmas party, that's another thing. What I think is like pathological and like actually like really hurtful is like to tell your your girlfriend every time, you know, some Instagram influencer gives you a boner. It's just like keep it to yourself. Are you are you subtweeting my lover? I'm just saying I'm I'm just giving advice in general. I'm just I'm- I might have just missed part of that. What happened? There was Instagram and then boner. I I, I, I missed <laughs> the, the gap. Um I'm, I'm saying that like there's there like your your boyfriend for example you know I'm sure he loves you very much I'm sure he's a good boyfriend however what I personally disagree with and I'm you know I'm a little I'm sort of quaking in my boots here because I don't want him to hate me any more than he already does is like you don't need to know every instance of him finding another woman attractive and you certainly don't need to know when it happens like while he's inside of you I you know if my boyfriend said anything of the sort. I, look, I, I'm gonna this. I'm I'm going to open up a little bit in a way I don't normally on this podcast. I one time went to dinner with my boyfriend and another woman who I'm friendly with, and I thought he was speaking to her too enthusiastically. He wasn't necessarily he wasn't saying anything, um, you know, lascivious. He there was it wasn't even a little bit flirty, but he was like super super into talking to her, and I I told him it hurt my feelings. I mean, I didn't like lash out at him or anything but I was like that really hurt my feeling and I was like upset for like a whole evening like I couldn't imagine being told that he was thinking even if he is I mean he maybe he does sometimes that you know it's none of my it, in a sense it's none of my business I'm you know what there's the only reason there's a pause here uh, I I understand that and I, I just now because we're this will be you know an oral experience but it's I'm, I'm looking at the two of you, but only now am I realizing the size of the microphone you're dealing with there. It's like, it's like an Apollo rocket. It's, it's <laughs> massive. And I didn't really even realize that was the microphone because it was so, it was so disproportionately large. That is, that is like professional grade. What is that thing? The guy at Best Buy thought she was cute. So he gave her a discount. That's what it's like to be a woman in the world. You're telling me this <laughs> 
nicely to the yeah, earlier comments. Sure. I'm also I'm also in the Midwest yeah. now and not, you know, sunny California where, you know, I'm I'm even like a three in the Bay Area, but in Chicago, my time has come. You know? <laughs> my time has come. I've I've been sort of devastated like as COVID has like whatever ended and people are taking out their masks and going out and I realize that I may be the most unattractive woman in my neighborhood you know, even as everyone is a mom with two kids. So I might have to move to Chicago too. And, and that's why, um, you know, works like Reasons to be Pretty and Fat Pig and The Shape of Things really spoke to us. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I mean, those were, you know, that those were interesting um, topics to, to, to write on. And, and that's always fascinating, you know, what, what attracts us and what doesn't and why. And um, you know what we call art and, and what we don't, and um, so they were they were great topics to wrestle with. And to I remember talking to some um, <clears throat> some specifically women at the time when I was when I had the idea for reasons to be pretty. I was I can remember specifically I took I took my son to um, Lollapalooza in Chicago, and we were there because we wanted to, we wanted to see Wilco. And he had run down front. So he was spent the entire day like pressed up against the fence, seeing a bunch of other acts, but waiting for Wilco to come on. And I was the one who was moving back and forth. I did all the work, essentially. I would go get him water and food and, you know, work my way back through the crowd and and uh, just so that he could be up, up front because um, we were both kind of Wilco fans and, and uh, that was a, a big thing for him. But I remember... While that was happening during the day, I'd had this notion for this play. And so the people who I thought, you know, wouldn't see me or I'd you know, begin talking to just in in uh, in general with with um, in a situation like that. Uh, if the conversation got far enough to where, you know, hey, what do you do in this? And I said, let me ask you a question, because um, you're a woman and, and I have this notion in my head. It's It's tricky when you're trying to write. Um, you know, another, another gender or someone who's, you're not. And um, I'm not any of those characters, but I, you know, I grew up in a, in a blue collar world and, and I'm a guy. So, uh, you know, I have a, probably a better stab at writing the Greg character than Steph. Um, But I had this notion and I said, I'm thinking, I just want to ask you this question. And I asked a number of women, I got the same response every time of like, if you heard your boyfriend had had talked about you as not being that attractive, but they still loved you and wanted to be with you and, and all of that, um, would you be okay with that, with all that information? Or would that bother you knowing that he didn't, didn't find you that attractive? Um, even if you, you know, felt, if, if you felt that way about him, would that be okay? That like you, I like his personality or this or that or whatever. He's got a great job or is there any number? Would it, would it be reciprocal and or would you, how would you feel? And, and to a person, they were all like, yeah, that would not, I wouldn't be great with that. I would not be very happy with the notion that he had, you know, felt that way, but certainly had talked to somebody else and said that I wasn't, I wasn't attractive. Um, and so that really, that, that helped me develop that story further and, and go on from there because I, you know, it was just like, that was, that was, that was like me actually doing research 
was was talking to people and and uh, and going, hey, is do you? I have this notion, and I'm wondering if you feel the same way. And and every woman that I talked to, that Lollapalooza, felt the, felt the same way. So um, it's a, that it is it's a it's a big part of, and I think for men as well, it's a big part of who we are. You know that that identity of that that um, that physicality that we have. We want to believe that you know it's it's appealing in some way, uh, some part of us um, to uh, to the the person we're with or other people in general. And uh, and when we have a, a, a sense that it's not, it's it's a it's a tricky thing to deal with. Do you look like you're about to say something? I mean, I just and, do you want to go? You know, like I, I feel like I've spent you know the last six months sort of trying to rationalize it to or to rationalize away that sort of gut reaction I have of just like horror. You know, like I feel like I walk through my life just more or less thinking of myself as beautiful and like uh I you know avoid being on video or whatever to avoid being confronted with what I actually look like and I sort of go through life living this fantasy in which I'm a great beauty but it's not even like in my rational mind I I guess I sort of realized how deep it is when I was told you know you're not a 10 and it just like absolutely gutted me and part of me thinks you know isn't this sort of like what Steph says you know like wanting to be with someone who you know finds her beautiful or or thinks you know she's great and doesn't see her inadequacies you know I can see a way in which this is just a sort of like child's fantasy of parental unconditional unlimited love that you can't really ask from your partner because you're not perfect and like we all three of us know the things that are wrong with us um but you want, I guess, or I want at least like to be with someone in whom all of those flaws, you know, disappear, you know, into into water. And it's it's just impossible. And um, or you disappear into water like Amelie. You know, you just... <laughs> my metaphor, my metaphor isn't practiced, but, you know, it's like I, I guess it's sort of, you know, I remember when I was 14 and like sharing my you know, poems with like my, the guy I was hooking up with back then, like I couldn't really call my boyfriend. He wouldn't really let me, but anyway, and he thought they were good, you know? And I was like, no, my poems are the best poems in the world. Flashing lights on that one? No. Just didn't didn't pick up on anything, right? Well, you know, on the eve of his 18th birthday, he asked me, so are you going to have sex with me before I turn 18? And I said, no. And he said that his other girlfriend was like arriving at the airport that afternoon. So he had to go and pick her up. And I was like, are you telling me you're my boyfriend? Like, this is how you finally tell (laughs) me it? As you tell me that you have a second one too? You're my girlfriend because my other girlfriend. <laughs> you know that that was sort of how. Uh, so that's a way to, to find. Yeah, out. I mean, before you got on the air, Neil, we were going through sort of a game where we like count down from three and try to say what we think has like fucked up the other person. Um, and we actually were like default. It was growing up in Boca. Me, it was my family. Should we try to play it again, or do you want to just tell us, like, why do you write these plays? Like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> did something have to happen? Um, did something have to happen? Um, so much happened, right? You know, uh, but nothing. I don't think that that really was the the catalyst for for these plays. I mean, these. It's the, I find the writing process um, beautiful and and laborious and and tough and easy and, you know, all kinds of things. But, um, 
yeah, I, 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 I don't spend a lot of time staring it down saying, you know, why do I do it? Or, you know, um, why does this story come and not another story? I, the, when they strike, they strike and I write them and, and they're, you know, very, very little comes from, from life. Occasionally, you know, things will, will drift in uh, or someone will see something and, you know, tell me like, oh, that's, you know, like I remember my mother, um, when she saw in the company of men, um, she said, wow, you really, you really nailed your father. And I was like, that really took me aback because I was like, what does she, what does she mean? I, because he's, you know, a blue collar truck driver and, and I'm writing about these, these petty white collar guys. And, uh, but I guess the, the, the type of person that sort of like almost sociopathic character that, that Chad was, you know, she felt like, wow, that's, that was really who your, your dad was. And uh, so did that just seep into my DNA and, and I was able to, to, to nail that, you know, kind of person. Um, again, it was for somebody else to tell me, you know, it wasn't me consciously going, okay, I'm going to write a story about my, my dad. Um, I still don't think that I did, but I, um, apparently to one person who was very close to him thought that that was, uh, you know, a very accurate portrait of his, his sort of psychology. So, you know, that, that's kind of thing can happen, but, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't look back and go, I do this because this happened to me. Um, I, I do it because I love it. It, it. It's interesting about your work. It's very um, unforgiving depictions of both masculinity and women. And I, I have observed in like my, my own life, at least my very limited experience, that Mormon men in particular are have very um, like there there's a there's a harshness to Mormon men. Uh, especially, you know, with those two topics, with masculinity and with femininity as well. And I guess like, you know, you saying that like maybe your father informed in the company of men makes me wonder like how much, uh, you know, how much has the church played in even like on a subconscious or subliminal level? Certainly everything, everything has everything that, uh, that I've been up until now informs, informs the work in some way. I mean, I didn't grow up a Mormon. So, you know, I didn't grow up in a, in a Mormon household. I went off to, to Brigham Young because I got a scholarship there and I wasn't a member of the, of the church. So um, certainly my family informed more of my you know early self than than anything to do with Mormons. Um, but you're in general, I think you're right about about um, about Mormons, uh, Mormon men in particular, you know, that they're they're raised in a in a in a world that's steeped in in a, a patriarchy. And so we learn so much when we're, when we're little, you know, those first formative years, they say, Oh, you don't remember anything from, you know, up until you're, you're three or four, but, but there's muscle memory there of, of how you're raised and, and, and the way men are treated and women are treated and, and that kind of thing. And, and um, so, uh, you know, when you're, when, when you've come up through that, I, I think there is a, to not be that way, you have to actively seek out another way to be. Um, or leave the church or, or, you know, have an experience that makes you question those things um, because uh, that kind of blind acceptance to, uh, I just, I saw a movie, like my first movie in a theater uh, in like 15 months the other day, uh, I went to a, a, a cinema and um, I saw um, this film called Final Account. Have you seen, have you seen this uh, a, a documentary that the filmmaker has since passed away 
Um, but it was, I, I think it was maybe at Venice in 2020. And then, um, is that right? Uh, or 2019, something like that. And, uh, but it's taken a while to, to be released. But, it, but he went around um, and, and kind of spoke to a, a, a wide swath of the last, you know, remaining uh, German population who were a part of, you know, the Nazi party or, you know, and, and worked at, at various levels, everything from soldiers to, to people who worked in camps or, you know, lived in a, in a village nearby and talked to them about their experiences. And um, that, that ideology, the way they talked to me, you know, somebody saying that, you know, look, our school teacher, you know, brought us into it and we joined the, the youth movement when we were 10 years old and, and we were with our school teacher longer than we were with our parents each day and we believed them in a, in a certain way. And, um, you know, that stuff gets into the, the fabric of who you are. And it was fascinating to see these people who were 85, 90 years old. And they were still the, the 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 variety of experience. Some of them still looking straight down the barrel of the camera and saying, essentially, you know, Hitler didn't do anything wrong. He was right, and we lost the war. You know that that's not not the same as as being wrong. And and, and others who were ashamed and couldn't, you know, look the the filmmaker in the eye. Um, fascinating, you know, to see you know the human how we how we deal with with what we've done and, you know, guilt and, or not guilt and, and, and what we believe in, or, you know, can we still believe in those things after the world has told us for almost, you know, however long, 75 years that, that, you know, we did one of the most horrible things in the history of mankind. Um, so that, wow, did I just equate the Mormons with, with Nazis? I may have just done that, but, um, you know, any kind of ideology that's as extreme as, as that, that religion can be, and, and many religions can be, um, that it, it plays, and especially when it has a kind of like hierarchy and, and, a, and a patriarchy like that, it, it can make it really difficult for people to function in, in what we think of as normal and standard relationships. So yeah, I think that, uh, that uh, while it didn't, I don't think Mark my writing, um, you know, certainly over my early years, as I said, but, but it, uh, but even just going to, to Brigham Young and, and, uh, having that experience and being around that world, um, was, uh, was definitely formative and informative, um, and, and colored some of my writing without question, I'm sure. I mean, we really owe this interview taking place to the Mormon church because Default and I were both scarred by our relationships with Exmos. And that's why we, you know, became such deep friends over the last couple of years and are doing this now. You send them a little card or something and, and say thanks. Yeah, should send them this episode. delivery of Salt Lake City, and I'm sure it'll reach them. I mean, I wanted um, to move to Salt Lake. I'm sure you did too at a certain point, right? Default. Did I? You, no, you, you, you got to Utah. Um, yeah, no, I was in, in Provo. Right. In Provo, you know, much, I mean, Salt Lake itself is a much more, you know, I, I don't even think it's 50% Mormon. Um, and, and those who are not Mormons are, are rabidly not Mormon, you know, but in, in Provo, where the, the school is, it's uh, it's even higher, the, the percentage of, of Mormons in that population. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really got a, a strong, do and then on campus, of course, it's like 97% Mormon. So it's, uh, you're, you're definitely surrounded by a, uh, 
you know, the, the, the doctrine and, and the people. It, the Osmonds are from Provo. Provo is very famously in your face yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, I know they had their their studio or, or yeah, Provo or Orem. Those two cities are like you know sister cities that are right next to each other, and their um, their uh, studio was there, and yeah, the family was was from there. Um, definitely, the the Osmonds were were a big part of of putting a a human face on on Mormonism. Are you uh, raising your kids any differently than you were raised? Oh, uh, you know, um, I sure yes, um, but but do I, uh, you make the same sort of mistakes and 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 have the same kind of victories? Yeah, um, I think you you at least at least in my mind, I think that a generation has the experience of, of, you know, living with parents and, or, or not. And, and therefore then, you know, use that as, as material for, um, I'll, I'll, I'll do this and this because of that, you know, I'll, I'll try and do better or I'm going to do as well, or I hope to God I can do as well as that. You know, it's, you have some experience like that. And, and, um, yeah, I feel I've learned from, from some mistakes that were made on me and, and I've made my own mistakes that, that I hope they don't make, you know, and, or that they do, uh, they do it that much better than I did it. But um, I, I definitely feel like I've, you know, I've done my best to uh, to uh, try and, and give them some foundation that they can go springboard off of and, and you know, do well on their own. But but, you know, you want to pile mistakes up on on a on a tabletop. I, I, I've made as many or or more than 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 most people, I think um, it's just human is is uh, that's that's the the sisyphusian struggle that we have it's like you know how do we how do we wake up every day and 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 do better and and we find it's it's hard to do as well as we did the day before it's uh we're a little older and a little more tired and and uh didn't learn from from what we've done before and so um that's the that's the journey i guess it's you know it's a serpentine path but it's kind of all uphill um and uh, so you 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 struggle you struggle with it, but um, I'm I'm doing my best, um, and I hope that's you know most days I hope it's I hope it's good enough. Wow, that was so wistful. It was like the end of it. I I might not write a novel, but that felt like the end of it. <laughs> I need to come up with a good title now. I actually have a title for a novel. I just don't I don't have the novel. That's the problem. What's your title? Um. Somewhere near Ohio, you begin to feel regret. Yeah, that's that's good. It also it sounds like a Silver Jews song. Yeah, maybe I'll just write so much easier. And you don't even write songs, but they're so much shorter. Maybe I'll just make a song out of it and, and leave it at that. Do you have an idea for like a plot? No, no, just that's just a title. For God's sake, I have a title. I you know, what do you want from me? Um, yeah, I don't know. Luckily, that that title can can fit onto any number of uh, any number of stories. So um, I'll come up with something one of these days. But you know, I, there's every chance it'll end up a short story or a play, so uh, or a movie. So don't don't uh, don't keep looking at uh, at uh, your independent bookstore, or Barnes and Noble, or wherever you go. It should be about uh, like lot lizards and truck drivers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, be, because you know, because. It's, there's something about maybe the highway there and, you know, uh, 
a some you know fucked up disturbing love story between between the two that you know leaves the audience asking if they're they're too fat you know just <laughs> trying to <laughs> i mean that's really what i'm trying to have my audience ask every time i don't really care for them, but as long as they go home wondering if they're too fat you know is their nose a little too big uh, are their relationships real the important questions absolutely <laughs> I mean, the, the ugliness thing, I, I guess, is like, you know, as we harp on endlessly on this podcast, like it seems like sort of like Michel Welbeck like wrote a book about being ugly. Um, I think Clarice Lispector, like I think The Hour of the Star is sort of about being ugly. Uh, Mela Hartwig like wrote this one obscure novella, Am I a Redundant Human Being? Sort of from the point of view of an ugly woman. But there's really like not that many ugly there's not that many there's not that much literary stuff in which ugliness is like confronted head-on given that whether we're pretty or not is something most people struggle with like 10 times a day it, it just seems like the thing that's so like pathetic and embarrassing to talk about is, is it just so human and what what is it do you think that uh i mean umberto echo wrote that book on beauty if you, yeah. you've seen that book um i mean what is it that, that fascinates us so much i mean why do we put such a such revenue and currency on 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 that is it such just old like it, that that need to attract one another that that is it such a primal thing is it um you're sort of like distancing yourself from the the question you're asking which i think is interesting because everything that i like remember from your work you know the thing the the lines that really really like you know that I'm sort of thinking about as I'm like drifting off to sleep, like one in particular in the company of men, like you, when uh, Howard says like, you're, you're fucking handicapped. Like you shouldn't have men falling at your feet. Like you don't have a choice. Like that is the central like spirit of that is about ugliness. Like, yep. you know, I'm, I'm curious about like, like your personal experience and opinions of ugliness because it's, it's so, it's so embedded in your work and like the most like, you know, disturbing way, I think. Like, it's it's very, it, like, really, like, hits you, like, at your bones. Like, <laughs> you really get to it. Yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, I, of course, yeah, to, to, to deny that it's important to us would be silly, because I, I know it is. Um, it's, 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 I guess, why? Why is it so important? Um is it just, is it self-evident? Because, um, I mean, it's fascinating to me knowing that, that, that I guess I, I've written a lot about relationships and, and, uh, and what it is that, that makes those relationships, people falling in love, falling out of love. Um, and so, uh, I, I think obviously I, I'm aware that attraction and physical attraction is such a big part of that, that, um, it has become, you know, a, a topic that I've that I've I've wanted to explore many times, um, and and does that come from myself going, you know, am I attractive enough? Am I, you know, uh, I don't think so, but sure, it could be. It could be from 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 you know finding a way to to ask ask and address those questions um, through another through another means. Um, but, but I don't find myself conscious of it going, yeah, I'm, 
I want to I want to have that open dialogue. And so therefore, if I put it on stage, you know, maybe there'll be enough talkbacks where we can talk about it. It doesn't feel like that's the reason. So um, it just has made it's been it's been good fodder for for and maybe it's 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 unconsciously seeing that there is, um, as you say, there, there haven't been that many works about it, you know, and so therefore it's a it's a place in which I could find a, a, a way to to work and, and um, in a very crowded. Crowded um, canon of 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 work, uh, you know, about relationships or that kind of thing, find a, a, um, an inn that um, hadn't been overexplored. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're like the foundations of, I don't know, Western literature, all about beauty, right? Like, like every almost every reference is, is about beauty, like lyrical poetry is about beautiful women. Um, but the inverse of, of being an ugly person, it, I guess, is sort of like, I think this is, it's, it's cliche to have a podcast and talk about well back, but like, um, the inverse of that, that most people are not ugly, that the beauties and the standouts that attract all of the attention are to you know, or to the redound to the detriment of like the vast majority of people um, is just something that's really uncomfortable to talk about, I I think, because it it seems to minimize the experience of love. Like we like to think of love as spiritual and sort of outside of the sexual marketplace. And no one, I think, at least I don't sort of like to look at myself and and sort of assess the the ways I, I come up short. And it seems like, especially with online dating and stuff like that, the fact that I'm not you know, the hottest girl in New York is sort of the most obvious ways, the, the obvious way that my inadequacy is brought home to me. I think this is sort of like the brutality of, of dating today. But is, yeah, is that, is that, maybe is that just a peculiarly or particularly American drive to be like the hottest or the best or the, because why, why ultimately is that important? As opposed to just being, you know, feeling good about yourself or saying, I'm, you know, uh, there's a lot of people out there who are, are attractive or, you know, are, are average or whatever they are. Is it so important to be? Like you were saying, I'm the, I'm the least attractive in my neighborhood or, you know, I'm not the hottest or, you know, that those, 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 those degrees of which seem like such difficult things to, to you know, worry about as opposed to just... But you you address this in your in in uh, you know a lot of your work. I think the answer to that question. I mean, the, it's not so much about being the best; it's about being good enough so that Chad doesn't sw- you know swoop in and you know pump and dump your girl. And that applies for both genders. Yeah, but Chad goes after a really attractive girl. You know, he, I mean, he, he he there's something about her that he finds that he believes there's a weakness there, but. There was nothing, you know, physically unattractive about about Christine in that in that in that piece. Um, he thought the fact that she was she was deaf was the thing that would would be her, you know, uh, the 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 place in which he could you know he could best attack that that um, that person and, and you know make himself feel better about it. So, um, but he's right. You know, like, I mean, she's, she says it herself, like, if you go so long not dating, thinking you're unattractive, thinking there's something wrong with you. And she's right. There is something wrong with her. 
you know, and it, it did make her not eligible because in a normal world, she would end up with Howard, but that that's the cruelty of today's dating market that Chad will pump and dump you, you know, and you'll think in your own head, like, oh, I should be getting Chad, but no, Chad will sleep with you. Chad won't settle down with you. Howard will settle down with you. And she, like the one who's, I guess, being like victimized throughout the film, she chooses Chad over Howard, which is, you know, like the most sort of brutal calculation that she could make. Yeah. She, right. Because she believes that that he, in fact, has a certain feeling about her. Um, and, and, and given the choice between the two, she went after the, the more conventionally attractive one. Um, and I mean, there, there was the in, sort of inverse of that in, uh, in The Shape of Things, where, where when at the, the more attractive Adam became, the more his, uh, his behavior became, you know, questionable of sorts, you know, that he was, he was suddenly choosing between these two women and, you know, and, and lying about what he was doing. And so, um, yeah, there was a, there was a a kind of a a correlation, I guess, between those, those two pieces at the time in, uh, in terms of how people were, were acting. Um, I don't know, you know, where that, where that leads us as a, is that a, just a a bleak outlook that we're, we're going to, we're going to leave this with or, uh, you know, you were saying like, why is just like, is it maybe an American thing to want to be the best? Why is feeling good about yourself or good enough not adequate? I mean, I'll say like feeling good enough, I don't think is an, is an option for me because of, you know, whatever was, whatever's fucked up about me. Um, but why do you, why do you say that it might be an American thing to want to be the, the most beautiful? I, don't, I think it, you know, I don't think it's, you know, we, we've cornered the market on it, but I do think that we're particularly good at wanting to be the best to get win the gold medal to have the 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 world record to to be first and foremost and you know it's been a a part of that drive that kind of individualist drive to um to to come out on top and i think that that is uh you know something that we've uh we've welcomed and championed in our society and so therefore it's a byproduct of that is that we you know we don't want to be just a good writer. We want to be the best writer. We don't want to be the rich, you know, rich. We want to be the richest. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there, and, and it's probably been supported in, in um, literature and advertising and, you know, all the, all the places that, that we, we get so much information from. But I, I think that that, as I say, is not, is not only American, but is, it is a particularly American kind of like will to succeed is um is to be the prettiest or the smartest the fastest the youngest the whatever it is um you know first is is always better than 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 second or third or anything like that um and if you're out of metal contention um you know using only olympic analogies uh you know you suck you lost basically you know everybody else lost um so um that's, I guess that's what we remember. We re- and we barely remember winners, you know, it gets down to that place where you're like, yeah, who, who won the whatever last year? It's like, I don't even remember now. You know, it's only about who's going to, who's going to win right now and, and be number one. Number one is such a, a drive. We've created large foam hands that we can wear over our own hand to remind us how important being number one. I mean, I did this humiliating thing a couple of months ago where I was trying to make my sort of short film about how I'm not pretty enough to be on film. And so I was contacting like all of these. I love it. You you can watch it. I mean, everyone I showed it to was like, what the, all of the women that I showed it to were like, you know, privately asked me if I was like 
uh, if I like needed help, you know, like, you know, suicide is not an option. And all the men I showed it to were just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But, you know, is this is this a one that my my boyfriend cried at? That's absolutely untrue. Suicide's always an option. I, I hope you don't take it. But it's how, how how dare they say that's not true? I mean, suicide is always an option with Neil Lebut. <laughs> um, but this is this is this is not the film that made your boyfriend. This this actually this used to be part of the film that made your boyfriend cry, but I cut it because men were so like mean about this. But I contacted all of these like men that had rejected me and were like, hey, can I like film like a really short like video clip of you? And they're like, yeah, sure. Like, why? What is it? And I was like, well, I need you to hold up like a piece of white paper that says five on it. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I, I, like so you're sort of like an Olympic judge saying that I'm a five. So you're not going to date me. None of those guys followed through with the shoot. Wow, I'm shocked. <laughs> when put to the test, I, I, I was I was reduced to asking like gay guys that I knew to do it, and they were just like, "Stop misgendering me." <laughs> yeah, but did you did you ask those people to do it and tell them the reason they were doing it, or it was eventually where you just kept stopping people and saying? Can you just hold up this five? I work for Sesame Street and we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I was just like hiring homeless people. No, I uh, I, w- I was open about it. I got the film made. It was part of this sort of project of being open with everyone around me about like, uh, you know, whatever, how I'm feeling. But um, if everyone else is being dishonest, you sort of start to seem like the craziest person in the room pretty quickly. And it makes you actually even more undateable. It makes you makes you a four. I know. Like. I got demoted to a three for mental health reasons. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Where that? I mean, that makes me like you know a six or seven in my book. So. <laughs> on on this episode, Neil LeBute negs the personality girl. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, no, it's a. I mean, it's such a. See, the idea that we put numbers on it, even and go like, yeah, here's we, you know, where. But I mean, the numerical rating. Are is something that I could see coming from your mind. Like if someone told me Neil LeBute actually invented the one to 10 scale, I would be like, of course it was in this, it was in his first play. And you know, if someone said that. I would... it, was, it was me. <laughs> wasn't it, I thought it was a social network. Wasn't it? Is that what they were doing? In, it started the whole thing. Zuckerberg did it, I think. Yeah. Hot have. or not. Didn't yeah. Bo, didn't yeah. Bo Derek start it? I mean, there was 10 probably before her, right? But that therefore gave us the title to that movie. But um, the rating of of men and women, you know, numerical or otherwise, I think it's been going on for for some time. I know there are early Sumerian texts. There are some cave paintings (laughs) that are just like, people think they're like snakes, but they're actually five. There are cave... On a French cave somewhere. There are cave paintings that are still analyzed to see if they were too fat. That's true. It's no, it's not. I'm not fat. That's a fur. That's a mammoth fur. <laughs> anyone look fat? Why are you? Oh, forget it. You know, um, I'm still on the other side of the cave. Neil, I don't. Well, we we don't want to keep you too long. So if, if we should start wrapping up. Please let us know. That's what if you people don't... say at parties when they want you to leave. That's no, really... the, the, here's here's the truth. We we would keep you for several hours if you didn't. I'm trying to be respectful to your time, but I I want to I want to keep him for too long. For too long, yeah. Well, it feels like this has been just long enough. I feel like a good a good chat. I hope you feel the same. And not once I leave, you're going to go back to like you know you're going to 
hold up fives and, and then be done with me. Um, if so, I don't want to hear about it. So, I mean, um, should we, should we do like one final sort of like maybe too far <laughs> like question or conversation, just make Neil uncomfortable. So he, he can't even listen to the he, just has to, he has to leave now. Like, yeah, no, that, I mean, why do that at this point? Um, <laughs> but feel free, you know, you can, you can come up with whatever you need to talk about, but do you think prostitution should be legalized? Do I think it should be legalized? Um, do you think it should be mandatory? It should be mandatory. <laughs> uh, that, that's a good question. Um, uh, should we all just like have a have a shift? <laughs> well, I mean, in Europe, there are sex surrogates for the handicapped. Do you know about them? I, I've heard of that. Yes. Um, sex surrogates for the ugly for the uh, here we go again. uh where are we gonna de- where are we gonna demark that at at, at five, uh, five and under or four and under or i know people are gonna be lining up at the social security office in their shittiest clothes yeah. trying to get a card exactly. um and what does that what does that pay they're gonna ask um so I, you know gosh um we're too late in the too late in the day to get into that subject, whether it should be legalized or not. We don't have enough time left. <laughs> that's a good out. I think. It is a good out. Yeah. Very clever. That's that's a, that's a that's a you know when you welcome me back to your show, on your 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 when you when you're doing a clip show, your fiftieth fiftieth show or something like that. No, I mean I think you should just be third mic. We've kind of like needed a male in the room, so. Yeah, good. Well, I hope I, I count for that still. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be the male in the room. Um, so if you if you need a male in the room again, please, please call. Um, so usually we sign off by threatening to commit suicide. Um, <laughs> and as well, you said, it's always an option. Not, so <laughs> you're, you're, I'm, I'm probably the wrong place to come for the guy to call 911, you know, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, what? I'll give you thirty minutes, and if you're, you know, if you're still there, um, <laughs> I'll give you a head start, and then I'll, I'll start, you know, I'll start ringing nine eight. So, um, uh, TPG and I are taking new bridge recommendations since I am no longer in the Bay Area. No, I can no longer jump off the Bay Bridge. I have to jump off. Which bridge? What, what are the bridges in Chicago? Let me know, listeners. <laughs> Gosh, are there any high ones there? You know, you're you're, you're not going to do a lot of damage in the city, you know, you're going to like, just like get wet and, and turn green in, in March. If you, you know, you jump at the wrong time, you're gonna have to find somewhere else to jump in, in Chicago. It's flat and there's uh, plenty of skyscrapers. Uh, yeah. In the you'd loop. Really, yeah. You'd really have to go with a skyscraper. You'd be, you'd be better served heading to the Sears tower or something like that. Um, please don't do that. Like within 24 hours of me having, to <laughs> no, don't worry. It's, it's, it's a so. bit, I promise. I do not want to call from from local authorities. Say, did you happen to mention jumping off the Sears Tower at any point in the last day? No, because that would suck that you did that. I mean, I guess I'll jump off the, I don't know, like the Queensboro Bridge. What's the best place to do it in New York? Well, there's some very attractive bridges. I mean, you have, uh, you know, George Washington is beautiful. <laughs> Great view, right? I mean, it's the last thing you're going to see, so... <laughs> Why not look at the Hudson? Why look at, you know, Staten Island or something? Don't, don't go over that way. <laughs> um, 
might I suggest uh, self-immolating on NYU's campus to sort of call back to its history? <laughs> Triangle shirt fire. Wow, what a what a horrible, horrible way to go. That's and you call her a friend. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> because like some girl with a trust fund is just gonna say my shirt's ugly as I turn into ashes at her feet. <laughs> Just before you burst the into last thing I hear. Oh my god! And Neil, what, what's your plan for going? <laughs> what would I? What would I do? What would I choose? Um, it probably wouldn't be at sea. I think drowning would be bad, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm much more of the sort of in my sleep. Is, is there such a thing as 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 suicide, falling, just falling asleep and never waking yeah. up? What, yeah, when my mom tried to kill herself on my birthday as a kid, it was with amitriptyline, which is good because you like... You really just kind of bring these things down like to a human, human level. <laughs> so whenever, whenever I would have chosen, you would have had like a horrible... I anecdote. won because, because the game was we were trying to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> And I, I went for I went for the jugular. So it's amitriptyline. It's a moi. It's a tricyclic. Puts you to sleep, and then your heart stops. It's great. Oh my god! Actually, yeah, text that. I me. I can't do that for legal reasons. <laughs> okay, I, I promise I won't do it for twenty four hours. There'll be you'll get no call. Just like I'm hoping I don't. About <laughs> Um, well, this has this has been a, a great and and strange two hours. It has been. I hope you guys had a, had a good chat. Um, I, I did on this end. So. Turn with it.